I, when I really realized um, how good Cormier was and that he was real was when he was in Strike Force. And, uh, you, know, you know, it's hilarious is I don't watch any of the competitor stuff. I usually never watch the stuff, unless it's a fight that, that I'm interested in. But I w ended up watching that. I remember where I was and what I did the night that I watched that fight. And uh, it, it was the Josh Barnett fight. And the way that he beat Josh Barnett and what he did to Josh Barnett is when I said, God damn, this guy is really, really good. Um, and that was when I first noticed Daniel Cormier and, and, and thought that he was real. Hey guys, welcome to the fourth episode of I Know Nothing About MMA. I'm your host, DC. Not that DC. Good on you for retiring, DC. <laughs> Didn't know what to say there. Bit emotional, actually. Well, today we're going to be looking at UFC 252. Not 252, guys. 252. We're looking at the main card. We're going to go top to bottom. Great card this was. So many good fights on this card. We had, obviously, the heavyweight title of the world, Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic, all the other way around. The world champion, Stipe Miocic, versus challenger Daniel Cormier in his final fight. We also had the co-main event, Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Chito Vera. Vera won that. Very weird fight. We're going to talk about that fight. Up next, we had Junior Dos Santos versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Or Rosen Strike, sorry. Rosen Strike won that in the second round by knockout. Dos Santos was fighting very well, but we'll talk about that. Then we had Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. Pineda won that technical knockout in the second round. Had him in a crucifix. Fought well. Then we had, I hate this guy's name, Marab. I'm just going to call him Marab. We had Marab versus John Dodson. Marab won a unanimous decision. This was a fun fight too. Saw people hating on this fight. This was a good fight, guys. Fun fight. Interesting fight. Not every fight got to be a swang and bang fight, okay? Very fun fight, I thought. But yeah, let's just get right into it, guys. Let's talk about Daniel Cormier's last fight. Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight title of the world. Stipe Miocic won this by unanimous decision, 49-46 on two cards, 48-47 on the other card. This was an interesting fight. This fight did not go how I expected it to go. I don't think this fight went how anyone thought it would go. I don't think anyone pictured Daniel Cormier standing with Stipe for 25 minutes. It's, that's what really happened in this fight. It took me by surprise at least. I'm sure we'll find out once Daniel Cormier speaks. Why'd you do that? Why didn't you wrestle at all? But no, he didn't wrestle. But Stipe fought a great fight. We can't argue that. Me as a big DC fan, I didn't go out of there crying because this guy actually fought a great fight. Things that surprised me in this fight. How strong Stipe was in the clinch. Guys, he was so strong in the clinch. I couldn't believe it, actually, how strong he was. I thought that's where Dan Daniel Cormier would be strong. 
in the clinch, in the grappling exchanges. No, I think one reason why Daniel Cormier didn't wrestle as much as I thought he would was in the first round, he got Stipe in a takedown position. He took him down, but Stipe got right back up. He weren't holding him down. And I think maybe he thought, well, this is going to gas me out if I try to wrestle this guy for five rounds. So I'm not even going to try. But I think that was a tactically a bad move for Daniel Cormier. I think you've got to trust in your wrestling. You've got to trust in your base. And he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Stipe's striking was great tonight. So laser. It was just a laser focus, the striking. Jabbing Daniel Cormier's head off. Then going to the body, though. Then going to the body, opening up that head. Great body strikes as well. I think... That's not something people do against Daniel Cormier. And I think people are sad he's retiring because they're like, oh, I would have done that. Ah, oh, why didn't I think of that? So Stipe had the right idea the whole time. Go for the body, open up the head. He did exactly that. But let's not sleep on Daniel Cormier's striking as well. We're talking about this fight like it was a not a close fight. This was a very close fight. You know, both fighters had their moments in each round. DC with the inside boxing, with the dirty boxing in the clinch, looked fantastic. He looked like Randy Couture in there. Shout out to Randy Couture. But this fight all changed at the end of round two. This fight all changed when Miocic stung Cormier badly. And that's what he did. He stung him badly, knocked him down. That's a 10-8 round, guys. That fight could have been stopped. Maybe if that was in four minutes into the round, not four minutes and 40 seconds into the round, we might see that fight get stopped. So in my opinion, that's a 10-8 round to Stipe Miocic. And if you look at Daniel Cormier when he got back to the corner, he looked dazed. He looked confused. You know, they put ice on the back of his neck, at the back of his head. That's a good indication that... You're very confused and dazed. What surprised me a lot in this fight, the one thing that surprised me a lot, I, it did not surprise me that these guys were going to have a great fight. It's happened twice before. Third time around, yeah, it's going to happen. These guys are going to have a great fight. But what surprised me a lot in this fight was how strong Stipe was in the clinch. When he got Daniel in the clinch, I thought, get Daniel, I'm sure you can do something here. But he couldn't. He could not. Stipe was just a lot stronger than him. And I thought Stipe coming in lighter for this fight wouldn't work for him. I thought it really would not work for him. I thought maybe he looked a bit too drawn out. Maybe he's a bit too skinny. He looked like Wayans. You know, Wayans were yesterday, Stipe. They're not today. But no, that's just how he looks. When he's really fit. And he looked really fit in this fight. He looked great in this fight. Is he the greatest heavyweight of all time? I don't know. Personally, I don't know. I don't think so. Do I think Daniel Cormier is the greatest heavyweight of all time? Obviously not. You know, there's still a bit of debate to be had. But there's not too many fighters in that 
discussion right now. The greatest heavyweight of all time. Stipe Miocic, he's firmly there. Daniel Cormier, firmly there. Fedor, firmly there. C-level Kane, firmly there. You know, we've got some great heavyweights, you know. And this is a very um, young sport as well. So let's not talk about this sport like we've been having um, fights since, you know. Let's not talk about this like we're going right back to John L. Sullivan, okay? We ain't going back to John L. Sullivan. We're going back to like... Oh, sorry, I forgot another guy. Randy Couture. Maybe he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. Maybe. Yeah, let's not talk about this sport like we're talking about boxing, where we're going right back, right back. You know, we don't have Jack Johnsons yet in this sport, okay? We might do, but it's a very young sport. So that's what surprised me a lot in this fight, was Stipe's control in the clinch, how strong he was in the clinch. Now, another thing in this fight, I thought before Daniel Cormier got knocked down, and that really changed the fight, in my opinion. I thought the power was apparent on Daniel Cormier's side. I thought Daniel Cormier looked a lot stronger up until he got knocked down. I thought he was stinging. When he did connect with Stipe, he was hurting him. Stipe did not like it. But unfortunately, he got knocked down. His power waned after that. Stipe grew in confidence, started stinging him back, and Stipe's a big boy, okay? These are two big boys. We're going to talk about Biggie Boy later, but these guys are big boys. Oh, and by the way, you know, we're going to talk about the eye post, but can we just get this out of the way first? Zayn Malik, my favorite One Direction member, going for Daniel Cormier in this fight. What a guy! (laughs) <laughs> what a guy I love that guy Knew you were the best One Direction member man Awesome guy man So good that he likes UFC Gotta meet that guy one day But let's get on to One of the big narratives of this fight as well One of the big narratives coming out of this fight was The eye pokes A lot was made before the fight of the eye pokes Stipe saying to the referee, watch out for these eye pokes. And obviously in the fight, both fighters poked each other in the eye. You can argue that Stipe a lot worse than Daniel Cormier. It affected Daniel Cormier a lot more than it did Stipe Miocic with the eye pokes. Now, when I heard all this, I thought... This was wrong from the get-go for Stipe Miocic to do this. Yes, Daniel Cormier does poke people in the eye. Yes, he does. But listen, what, is he the only guy in the sport that does it? Not a chance. So many people do it. What, Daniel Cormier cheats? An Olympian? Come on, guys. This guy's a fucking Olympian, okay? You don't cheat. Now, in my opinion, why is Daniel Cormier eye pokes? Why he pokes people in the eye? Two reasons. He's trying to parry those punches as if he's holding mitts and he's gauging his reach. Now, I never think Daniel Hormier pokes people in the eye to cheat. Never once do. I bet you can speak to all of his opponents. Maybe the salty ones say, yeah, he cheats. But 
99% of them go, no, he's a very fair guy. This guy is, you know, he's a dad in there. You know, he ain't going to cheat on you. Yes, there is that tailgate thing, but come on, man. Tailgate, really? That's all we got? It's like the, it's like the lamest thing ever. That's like the lamest cheating of all time. That's the Daniel Cormier cheat. When you hold the towel. That's what people always come back. Yeah, but he hold the towel. And it's like, dude, that's not a... That's like the weirdest fucking thing to cheat. I don't, you know... <laughs> you know... It's like, not even that bad, guys. So what? That's what I say to that. So what? But I think Stipe knew this about Daniel Cormier. I think he knew... That this is why Stipe likes, sorry, this is why Daniel Cormier um, eye pokes. Not because he cheats, but because we're gauging reach over here and we're parrying punches. And I think he knew that. And I think he wanted to take away Daniel Cormier's weapons like that. I think he wanted to almost make Daniel Cormier learn how to fight again. And I think too much was made of the eye pokes. I think referee Mark Goddard, who... Is one of the best referees in the sport. The best referee in the sport, in my opinion. I think he was hoodwinked in this situation to care too much about the eye pokes. Because when Daniel Cormier was poked in the eye, he did not care. Fight on. It's like, it's like he was only looking for one man's eye pokes in there. So, in my opinion, from the get-go, this was already biased refereeing. You look at Daniel Cormier's eye after that fight. It looked disgusting. Disgusting. So I think in future, we don't wage war against these things. Because these things aren't really cheating. This is not a hair pull, guys. You know, a hair pull in MMA, if you pull someone's hair, you're cheating, okay? But an eye poke, a nut shot... All these things, there is a benefit of the doubt you must give opponents because that is not the spirit of competition, is it? You don't take a point away even twice for eye poking. You you tell them, listen, and I know he didn't in the fight, but to be so aware of Daniel Cormier's eye pokes really ruined the refereeing in this fight, in my opinion. He wasn't switched on, in my opinion, in this fight, Mark Goddard. But that's just my opinion. I'm putting on my conspiracy theories out here. Did Stipe win fairly? Absolutely. Is he one of the greatest heavyweights of all time? Absolutely. Was it a draw on my scorecard? Absolutely. Haven't really watched the fight, though, so... Might not be. But on my scorecard, it was a 47-47. Close fight, guys. This was a very close fight. If you watched this fight, you would you would say, yes. DC, this was a great fight. This was a very close fight. So, am I disappointed that Daniel Cormier loses? No. Let me tell you why. Daniel Cormier has had one of the best careers a man can have in this sport. He's had a long career, too. He's made a lot of money in this sport. He's achieved so much in this sport. He's a two-division world champion. You don't get many of those in this sport. It's a rarefied air that he's breathing. 
He's had a long wrestling career as well. The guy's done it all. Not many guys as well. You have to understand this. Not many guys go out on top. And what I mean by that is going out on top with a world title fight. Incredibly rare. Even in boxing, just rare. You have to be a tip-top guy for that to happen. It's Daniel Cormier proved in this fight tonight. He's a tip-top guy. He deserves to re-retire. He deserves to chill out. He's been fighting for our entertainment for years. Longer than I've been watching the sport. So, Daniel Cormier, thank you for retiring. Very smart guy. I wish him all the best in retirement. He's been one of my favorite fighters of all time. So, yes, Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic. Stipe Miocic wins. Gets the decision. And let's talk about the next fight on this card. This was an interesting fight. We're going to be talking about Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Chito Vera. All right. The co-main event of this card was Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Chito Vera. This fight represented the biggest step up in Sugar Sean's young career. He came into this fight 12-0. Now, this was an interesting fight, guys. If you watched this fight, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. At the start of this fight, when Sean was throwing off all those kicks, when O'Malley was just throwing those kicks with bad intentions, throwing those strikes with bad intentions, he had Cheeto worried. He had Cheeto very worried in this fight. He was biting on every single fang. He was like, whoa, ah, ah. He, he looked a bit scared in there, guys. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say he was scared, but he looked a bit frightened of the power. And definitely when he threw a leg kick early in that fight, Yes, it was apparent that this guy's got a lot of power. So in this fight, the power was apparent. The power advantage was apparent to Sean O'Malley. But then it all changed. Now, there's differing opinions about how this could have came about. This could have came about because of a Marlon Vera leg kick. Or this could have came about from Sean O'Malley... Um, stumbling in movement. And I tend to agree that he stumbled in this fight. I think he stumbled and he he damaged his foot again. Again! I think this might be the same break. I don't know, but he's, he's going to be out for a while, this guy. And it's not good for his career to be breaking your foot all the time. But what we got to understand, guys... So he broke his foot. He put on a really brave face too, by the way. Marlon Vera knew exactly what was up and he went for the kill. He did not give a fuck about that power anymore. Seriously, go back and watch the fight and watch before the foot break and after the foot break and Marlon's, um, you know, the look on his face, the way he was moving, all these things. He was a bit worried. But then after the foot break, he weren't worried at all. He said, let's get this kid. This kid's a bum. Let's get him. And Sugar Sean O'Malley put on a brave face. Didn't want to seem like he was hurt. He absolutely was hurt. This fight went to the ground. Marlon Vera opened up with some elbows, some c- 
crisp elbows. Looked like they hurt a lot. And Herb Dean, after two elbows, a quick stoppage, a good stoppage though, said, that's enough. I've seen enough. I think Herb Dean knew exactly what was up as well. I think he knew the foot was damaged as well. This was a good stoppage, guys. This was a fine stoppage. But what we have to understand as well is it's about how you lose. It's about how you lose in this sport. Did he get knocked spark out by Marlon Vera? Absolutely not. No. He damaged his foot. He injured his foot. And he fucked up. That's what happened. That's what happened. It's not like Marlon Vera went and sparked this kid. He did not spark this kid, guys. Sean O'Malley lost primarily because he broke his foot. Did not have much to do with Marlon Vera's attacking prowess. I think once Sugar Sean O'Malley's back, they're going to run this fight back. They have to. They really have to. I know Marlon Vera's going to say, why? I already beat this kid. But come on, Marlon. Marlon, come on. Did you really beat this kid, Marlon? Are you going to look in your eyes to say I did beat this kid? Come on, man. I'm not the biggest Sugar Sean O'Malley guy, but come on. So it's about how you lose in this sport. And this fight will not derail the hype of Sugar Sean O'Malley that much. Because it wasn't like I said, it wasn't like he got knocked out. It wasn't like he coasted to defeat. He broke his foot. Really couldn't fight anymore. And that's it. But one of the problems about that breaking his foot is, is this going to be a reoccurring theme in his career? Having a bum foot? Because having a bad foot, having a bum foot is, you know, it's not a good thing. Not a good thing at all to have a bad foot in this sport. You need to have a good foot in this sport. And, you know, there could be some sincere damage. There could be serious damage with Sean O'Malley and the foot. So that's something to look out for. Is this going to be a reoccurring theme in the future? Is he going to throw more kicks in the future? Because that's another thing. He might have to change his whole game up. And those kicks are such a big part of his game. If you take away that weapon for him, I don't know how good he is. Yes, he's a fantastic puncher. But yes, this is six in a row now for Marlon Vera. Six wins in a row. Congratulations, my friend. Is this the best win of his career? Absolutely not. Is it the biggest win of his career? Absolutely. Is it a shame it had to be like that? Yes, in my opinion, it is. It's a shame for him. So in my opinion, they have to run this fight back. One Sugar Sean O'Malley's fine. Marlon can have Marab next. Marab was angling for the Sugar Sean O'Malley fight after his own fight. He hoped Sean O'Malley won that fight. And, you know, it's sad that we're not going to see Sean O'Malley fight people with different looks. You know, we're not going to see him fight a wrestling heavy guy. Obviously, he's injured and they have to run that fight back in my opinion. But we're not going to see him versus Marab. Petrian. Obviously, he's not going to get that shot for a long time. Because I'm not so sold on the kid. I don't know how good this kid is. Because he hasn't came up against anyone that really impresses me. Marlon Chitavera, yes, was the biggest step up in his career. 
but I don't want to say tailor-made for the guy, but it's a guy that, you know, listen, I want to see this guy versus a really dominant wrestler. I want to see when this guy's on his back, can he still win a fight? If he say, you know, if he shows that yes, I can still win a fight off my back, sure. I'll be very hot on the guy. But I'm not that hot on Sugar Sean O'Malley right now because I haven't seen him in different situations, in different stylistic matchups. So until that happens, I'm not going to be as sold on the guy. But is this the worst loss ever? No, he broke his foot. It's called a spade a spade. The guy broke his foot and he couldn't compete anymore. Oh, and by the way, we have to talk about that better putting on $40,000 on Marlon Vera to finish Sugar Sean O'Malley. And at the start, you were like, dude, that's a terrible bet. What's wrong with you? And now he's walking away with something like $150,000. What a guy. Balls of steel, my friend. I hate gambling, but that's a gambling story I will support. $40,000. You flip that into $150,000. Who are you? Jay-Z? Are you Jay-Z? I don't think it was Jay-Z, but the guy's good anyway. The guy is a bit like Jay-Z. But yeah, this was this fight. Sugar Sean O'Malley broke his foot. Not good. Don't break your foot. <laughs> Just laughing. Don't break your foot. Sean, do not break your foot. But he broke his foot. Marlon Vera wins technical knockout in the first round. This was a def. This is why we have these TKO, by the way. Because that was a technical knockout. Man could not continue anymore. But, if it comes to that Marlon Vera did initiate this break because of a leg kick, if this is the case, then listen, we have to give all props to Marlon Vera. I don't think that's the case. I think he um, rolled his ankle over, in my opinion. That's what it looked like to me when I was watching the broadcast. And then we looked at the replays as well. But if that is the case, then Marlon Vera deserves full credit for this win. I'll caveat with that. He deserves full credit for this win if that's the case. I don't think that is the case, though. So yes, Marlon Vera wins. Very happy after the fight. Oh, and by the way, sorry. Sean O'Malley coming in with that Ecuadorian flag printed on his head. The tricolors. Red, yellow, and blue. Not in that order, by the way. Maybe it is not. It's not definitely not in that order. But I, I was saying, he has to win this fight. You know, if he does not win this fight, he's going to look like a prick. And even though he didn't lose in the worst way, he looked like a prick. Like, how embarrassing is that? And I think that's what he does to himself, the the pressure he puts on himself. I don't know if it's good pressure to do that kind of thing. Marlon Vera didn't seem that bothered by it at all. And I thought before this fight, Marlon Vera would be too eager and he'd get himself knocked out. Not the case. Not the case at all. I think you might have heard my podcast. <laughs> think you might have heard it and changed game plans. No, I'm only kidding. But not how I expected the fight to go. So Marlon Vera wins TKO. And also, sorry, 
Also, another thing. <laughs> Sean O'Malley's a hot commodity. I watched this at a pub, and people were leaving. People were leaving after this fight. We had kids leaving. Teenagers. They walked straight out. Ugh. Damn it. Ugh, I'm going to play UFC 3 now. Ugh. It was like that. It's awesome, man. I was like, wow, this kid really is a hot commodity. These kids came in for this fight. They left after this fight. I was like, don't you... Yeah, you call me up next, guys. You're not watching this? Obviously, I didn't say that, but that's why... What Daniel you call me up next? What the hell? But yes, win for Marlon Vera. Let's get into the next fight. Alright. Let's get on to the next fight. Junior Dos Santos versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike. This was a really interesting fight as well. How good did Junior Dos Santos look in this fight, guys? Like, really. I think that might be the mustache. I have a mustache too. And a lot of good things have happened since I've got a mustache. I have to say. JDS looks so good in there. Junior Dos Santos had great boxing. His boxing looks so good, guys. He was just smacking Jarzinho. Biggie boy. Let's call him Biggie boy. He was hurting him. He was tagging him a lot, constantly. Did he have the power in the shots to put him down? No. He's felt better power. You know, he just came off a loss to Francis Ngannou. And this was a big fight for Jarzinho, Biggie boy, in that regard. Because it said, well... How are you going to be confidence-wise now? Are you still going to be able to hang with the best of them after suffering that it, an embarrassing loss? It's the way you lose. You got bum-rushed and knocked out. It's, you know, it was quite embarrassing for him. Very disappointing. The boxing of Junior DeSantis in this fight was so good. He looked like the old Junior Dos Santos in there. He looked so sharp. But, guys, this is what you have to remember. This is the heavyweight division. One punch changes things. One punch definitely changes things in this division. You can fight as well as you want to. For 10 minutes. Whatever whatever it was, maybe 8 minutes. But if you get knocked spark out, you get knocked spark out. And that's what happened. To Rosenstrike's credit, he looked calm in this fight. He looked okay in this fight. He looked like, yes, he was getting stung. Yes, he was getting hit a lot. But it wasn't really bothering him that much as well. Eh, you know, I'm getting hit, but, you know, my chance is going to come. You know, my time will come in this fight. And boy, it did come. You know, this was the typical heavyweight fight where, you know, we say this all the time when we watch heavyweights fight. I said this when we watched the Derek Lewis Olenek fight. One punch can change things. It certainly changed things. Because all it took was Rosenstrike to land one on his chin. And once he landed that one on his chin, he got knocked spark out. Very disappointing for Junior Dos Santos. He looked great in this fight. He really looked like the old Junior in this fight. I don't know if it's the Dancing with the Stars. I don't know if it's he's getting his cardio up or something like that. But he looked really good. 
And after this fight as well, Rosenstrike was saying stuff like, Yo, I want Francis Ngannou next. And I was like, do you really, you really want that fight? But it just shows the kind of wild man he is. That he wants Ngannou after getting knocked out by him, quite embarrassingly. He wants that fight again. Ngannou, Dana White said, will be getting the next title shot. Fair enough. I did see that happening. I did say to everyone, even if DC won this fight, that the next title fight will be Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou. He did not win this fight, but I was correct. That's what's going to happen. So I was very disappointed for JDS getting knocked out because he looked so good. But credit to Rosenstrike. He looked calm in there. When he was getting punched, he didn't seem too bothered by it. Obviously, there's a huge power difference between the two. I think they come from the same camp as well. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure they come from the same training camp, these guys. And they were very nice to each other after the fight. Rosenstrike, he's a great guy. We've seen it. He is a really cool guy, this Rosenstrike. So, yes. Rosenstrike wins. He gets the TKO knockout. Sorry, a knockout, not a TKO. He knocked the guy out. Gets a knockout in the second round. Where does Junior Dos Santos go after this? Where does he go? What's next for him? I think he should retire, to be honest. I think there's not much in the heavyweight division he can do anymore. I'd say retire or leave the UFC. Because you only get hard fights in the UFC. You know. If he went to Bellator, he'd be getting fun fights. He's going to fight Roy Nelson again. How cool is that? Not really. That's not very cool. But you could go to one. Listen, I would I would I don't like seeing fighters fight for nothing. You know, fight have meaningless fights in the UFC. Have tough, meaningless fights. Because that's what a lot of these fights are. They're tough, meaningless fights. Don't do anything for your stock. So, would I be disappointed if Junior Dos Santos retired after this fight? No. Would I be disappointed if he left UFC after this fight? No. <laughs> We're going to hear this a lot on this podcast. We're calling for fighters to retire. I just hate it. I just hate seeing older fighters who have been there, done that, climbed that mountain, not be able to climb the mountain again. Because that's what's happening. Happens to a lot of these guys. Do you think I like watching Diego Sanchez fight? No. Do you think I want to watch BJ Penn's next fight? No. I don't want to watch these guys fight anymore. Enjoy your retirement, guys. Junior, leave the UFC or enjoy your retirement. I'm not saying this because you lost. I'm saying this because you're an old man who's been there, done that. I just said, you look great in this fight. It's probably the best I've seen Junior look in this fight, but he still got knocked out. So that was my thoughts on this fight. Let's talk about the second fight on this card. Let's talk about Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. All right, let's talk about the second fight on this main card, Herbert Burns versus Daniel Pineda. This was Daniel Pineda's First fight in the UFC for six years. Hadn't fought in the UFC since 2014. Working his way up 
again, got this opportunity. Got a big opportunity as well, a fight on a main card of a pay-per-view. Not a lot of fighters get that opportunity. But he definitely rose to the occasion. He was a sizable underdog, a considerable underdog, against Herbert Burns, the brother of Gilbert Burns, the number one contender in the welterweight division. And according to Gilbert Burns, Herbert is a better fighter than him. So this is quite the feather in Daniel Pineda's cap. He was dominant in this fight. You cannot say anything more than that. Herbert Burns coming in as the favorite looked weak, looked tired. Yes, he did not make weight in this fight. That's something that we need to discuss. Herbert Burns missed weight by 3.5 pounds. He came in at 149.5 pounds. Very bad. Very horrible, considering... That Daniel Pineda, after the fight, said, I have to cut 27 pounds in... What was it? Let me get my notes. He had to cut 27 pounds in two weeks for this fight. It's a lot of time, guys. That's a lot of weight, guys, to be cutting. And for Herbert Burns to not cut the extra three and a half pounds, he was very upset, and I would have been too. Because usually, if you don't cut weight, usually that can give you an advantage in a fight. Did not give Herbert an advantage. I'm assuming he came in too heavy for this camp. His cardio was all messed up. He got finished in a crucifix. You don't get finished in a crucifix. There's two reasons you get finished in a crucifix. You're either too tired, or there's levels to this. Now, I think it's the former. I think he was too tired, and he looked really tired in this fight. Daniel Pineda in the first round was dominant. Especially with the ground and pound. He looked so good with the striking. Posturing up really nicely. Banging him. Boom. Boom. Hitting him with some heavy shots. That tires you out. Getting hit like that tires you the fuck out. And he got really tired. And you saw the difference between the two when they were grappling each other. When each of them had top position on each other. Daniel Pineda, far more aggressive. Did not care about the submissions. Did not care. He wanted to smash his face in. Herbert Burns, on the other hand, he wanted a submission. Not, not much striking at all. Just being quite heavy on top. Trying to look for a submission. You know, being a classic Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. But it didn't work because he came in heavy. He looked tired. He looked lethargic in there. This is not me taking away this performance from Daniel Pineda. In fact, for this card, in a card with so many stars, this guy is my star of the week. Because he performed excellently. He rose to the occasion. you got to remember, six years out of the UFC, to come back under these bright lights. And the lights were very bright. The lights today on a pay-per-view card, especially this pay-per-view card, were very bright. And he got the job done. Herbert Burns was finished in a crucifix. And guys, getting finished in a crucifix looks bad for you. That's like the worst position to be in in MMA, in my opinion, is a crucifix. With your arm trapped, you can hardly defend yourself. And that's why the fight was stopped. 
because he could not intelligently defend himself. And that was because Daniel Pineda had his arms trapped. It's a brilliant position. My favorite position in MMA, especially in the grappling, is a crucifix. It's so dominant. Daniel Pineda, welcome back to the UFC. You're going to be back. You're going to be getting a... A lot of people know your name now, boy. A lot of people know your name. So enjoy that. My star of the week, Daniel Pineda. He fought excellently. He fought like a machine out there. So yes, congratulations. Daniel Pineda wins by second round TKO. Herbert Burns could not advance his position. Fight was stopped. And let's talk about the next fight. My star of the week, Daniel Pineda. Let's get on to the Morab versus John Dodson fight. Alright. Now, the first fight that opened this main card was Morab Divajili. I fucking butchered that word. I'm not even going to say that. Why did I attempt that? Let me do that again. Morab Divashvili. Got to say it phonetically. Versus John Dodson. That's an easier name. It's a much easier name. It's just called Marab. Yeah, Marab fought excellently in this fight. John Dodson showed incredible takedown defense in this fight. Like, remarkable. You know, when when Marab had him up for those slams, it was like, how are you even getting out of this? How are you doing this? He's such, he's like a slippery little snake. You can't take him down, that guy. He's so good. John Dodson is an underrated fighter, for sure. But, unfortunately for Don John Dodson, that's all he showed in this fight, was a remarkable takedown defense ability. He showed nothing else. And Marab, after the fight, said, I'm not even tired. I agree with him. I, don't, I think he could have went another three or four rounds at that pace. I heard a lot of people shitting on this fight, saying, this is a boring fight. I don't think so. I found it to be a very intriguing fight, especially since Marab, who is such a a great wrestler, was having so many difficulties, or so much difficulty rather, in taking John Dodson down. He could not hold the guy down. He fought very well, Marab, especially in the clinch. You know, and wrestlers, they do it all the time now, so it's like, not a PSA, but I love when wrestlers use the fence. It's almost like there's two people up against you. You've got the guy wrestling you and the fence is like that guy pushing you, holding you there. It's so effective. And he was using the fence to his advantage all the time in round one. John Dodson in between rounds, between the rounds one and two, looked incredibly frustrated. Dismissive of Mirab's ability. Mirab was breaking the base of John Dodson. Incredible knees. I've never seen someone throw so many knees in a clinch like that. You know, he had his back, and instead of suplexing the guy, he must be a heavy guy. John Dodson must be a thick, heavy guy. But yeah, let's talk about John Dodson's takedown defense. I mean, he was escaping from slams. Very hard to hold down, this guy. He fought excellently in that regard, but unfortunately, that's all he showed in this regard. And in round two and round three, Marab was turning that screw on him. You know, especially in round three, round three, Marab was finding his range. He was timing that right hand. He was using his, re- he was using his striking, rather, to set up the wrestling even better. 
making his wrestling even more effective because he's making John Donson look out for the hands now. I've got to be careful about the boxing, so that makes his wrestling far more impressive. Very Habib-like in that way. Habib always sets up his wrestling with good striking. And let's talk about, this is an interesting thing, a little funny thing. But let's talk about Ray Longo. This guy is the Teddy Atlas of MMA. I have a weird, irrational hate for this guy. I don't know why. If you look at his fighters, he's got some great fighters. Aljamain Sterling, Marab, Chris Weidman, his star pupils. Matt Sarah, former star pupil. But I just do not like this guy. I don't know what's, you know, it's, I can't explain it. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I just have a weird, irrational hate for the guy. I don't like this, him and Matt Sarah should have a reality TV show. I don't, he probably doesn't either, you know what I'm saying? But that's just my weird little thing about Ray Longo, the Teddy Atlas of MMA. I'm not a big Teddy Atlas guy either. I don't like Teddy Atlas. But anyway, that's again, it's a, that's another irrational thing for me. But Mirab fought excellently in this fight. It looked like he could have went another three or four rounds doing the exact same thing. And John Donson, despite him having great takedown defense, didn't have many answers to the questions of Mirab. Mirab was questioning him with the takedown. Yes, he was slipping out of them, but he wasn't doing much else. Both fighters... You saw their face after this fight. They didn't have any marks on their face. This was, you know, a wrestling match in a cage. But Marab looked great. Oh, and, you know, by the way, on this Ray Longo thing, I, I think a corner man from John Dodson said something like, he can't do this. He ain't got this. He's tired. And Ray Longo shouted back in Marab's corner, You've got this, Marab. Don't worry about it. I just thought that was really funny. And I hate the guy. What's wrong with me? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an irrational guy. You know, eh, whatever. Oh, also, let's talk about that terrible Chris Pratt tweet as well. What a Pratt this guy is. Thank you, Dana White, for putting these fights on. You're the best. I love you so much, man. How about the fighters? There ain't no UFC without fighters, okay? Fuck Dana White, alright? Anyone could lead this shit. It's like cult of personality shit, alright? No one here, Dana White, oh, thank you so much for doing this during coronavirus. How about you tweet Scott Coker that shit then? How about you tweet Scott Coker that? Why Dana White? You prat. You weird prat, Chris Pratt. Oh, God, I hate that. But yes, after the fight, Mirab was angling for that Sugar Sean O'Malley fight. Obviously, that fight's not going to happen because Sugar Sean O'Malley broke his foot and lost. But Mirab might get the Marlon Cheeto fight afterwards, and that would be a very fun fight. I'm not averse to that fight. Obviously, for Mirab, it would have been a lot funner to fight Sean O'Malley. It would have had a lot more hype to it. Life doesn't work out like that, unfortunately. We can't book this stuff. This ain't pro wrestling. I have to keep telling myself, this ain't pro wrestling. We ain't booking this shit. We matchmake this shit. We don't book this shit. But yes, Mirab wins a unanimous decision, 30-27. I had that on my card as well. Easy fight to score. 
John Dodson, despite the incredible takedown defense, didn't really show much else. So, yeah, that was it for the main card. Very fun main card. I really like this main card. A lot of stories coming out of this main card. A lot of fun fights. The prelims, though, eh. Prelims was a miss. A big miss. Best fight of the prelims was on the early prelims. The fight past prelims. Um, Kamaka versus Kelly. That was a great fight. That was a war. Go back and watch that fight if you want. That was awesome. Also, I'm going to sound like a UFC shill here, but seriously, download Fight Pass, guys. If you don't have Fight Pass, if you're not subscribed, if you're not paying that $9.99 and you're an MMA fan, you're missing out. Because it is seriously so good. It's so good. You get the Fight Night cards for free? Well, I don't know about that, actually. Oh, but we do. <laughs> you have to go ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> but we do. Be a dark day when ESPN Plus comes in, man. Be a dark day. But yes, you also get the video library. It's like an advertisement spec segment. But anyway, can you pay me for this shit, please? No, but seriously, if, you, if you're an MMA fan and you don't have Fight Pass, you're crazy. It's like being a wrestling fan, a WWE fan. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I love that advert too. There's an advert. I'm going off traffic here, but there's an advert. And it's like uh, this WWE fan... In a tattoo parlor, gets a WWE tattoo. And he tells the uh, cameraman afterwards, I'm not a wrestling fan. I'm a WWE fan. <laughs> what a mark. What a fucking mark. There's, there's, you know, there's MMA fans like that. You know, there's MMA fans that are just UFC fans. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm not an MMA fan. I'm a UFC fan. But seriously, get Fight Pass. It's awesome. So much good content on there. Thousands of hours of content. WWE Network is the exact same. Sorry, the WWE Network is exactly the same. Far more content on that if you're a wrestling fan, a professional wrestling fan. But yeah, the prelims of this fight card were pretty boring, I have to say. I was entertaining myself through those prelims. But I will go back and watch them. If there was any interesting things that come out of the prelims. Oh, the one interesting thing was Felice Herrig's opponent, Vina Jandaroba. Hope I did not butcher your word. She fought extremely well. Obviously, Felice Herrig didn't look like a live fighter in there. But man, she dominated that shit. So, Vina, congratulations. That was probably the most impressive performance. Oh, and Kyle Dachhaus, the police officer. He fought really well. And my friend was saying after this fight, before, yeah, after his fight, that, man, this guy should fight Tom, As Tom Aspinall. And I'm thinking, yeah, I think the exact same thing. That's an awesome, that's an awesome fight to make. So, Sean Shelby, if you're listening to this, if you've gotten this far into the episode, please make that fight happen. That would be a great fight to make. But now we're going to get on to some news. That was the UFC 252 portion of the show over. We didn't really touch on the prelims. It wasn't that fun. Kyle Dalkhaus. Vina Jandaroba. These guys were the stars. Oh, and um, if you can, type up on Google Felice Herrig's coloring book that she wrote with her father. It's terrifying. It's like an acid trip. It's terrifying. But check that out. It's uh, 
It's like as bad as that Phil Collins No Jacket Required album cover. Ooh, especially the remasters. Ah, that shit's terrifying, man. Have you seen that man in your dreams? But, yes, let's get onto the news now. Before I get to the news, let's just talk about this Mark Goddard situation. I've just seen a tweet Mark Goddard put out assuming responsibility for his role in the fight, and I just want to read what he said. I practice what I preach, and as a man, I stand tall with my head on. If you accept plaudits, then you must with mistakes too. That's proof that you are listening, honest, and implore improvement. Rough with the smooth acceptance and ownership. No. This is a fucking weirdly written thing. I apologize to Daniel Cormier and his team, and I do so publicly and unreservedly for missing what I should have, but cannot call what I do not see. I don't have replays and multiple angles. This is true. He does not. It's a one-shot take in real time. I cannot convey just how much I have lived and loved this sport for the past 20 years. I truly appreciate all of you who understand. Right. Now, my problem with this that I have, everything is fine, what he said. I agree with nearly everything he said, but why did you then say, basically tell Daniel Cormier to shut up? You were punched, Daniel. Sit down. Why'd you say that then? I think we're going to go back to my original point about this. That you were hoodwinked in this fight. You were played by Stipe and his team. You weren't being fair in this fight. I think you're the best referee in this game. But next time, and he will do this next time, he ain't getting caught up in this shit. He ain't getting caught up in eye poke shit no more. Alright? Mark Goddard, if you're listening to this, you got hoodwinked, my friend. Now, I do understand, I do appreciate that refereeing is a thankless job, much like judging. These are thankless jobs that we only really discuss if they do the wrong thing or if they do not do the right thing. And I do understand that judging and refereeing is a complex thing. Especially when we're thinking about this in real time. Should there be replays in the future? Maybe. Maybe there should be. Maybe the commission has to get in your ear and say, yes, that was an eye poke. You know, maybe the production truck and the commission should be in tandem with each other. I don't know. I'm just thinking aloud here. But I know for sure that Mark Goddard would not be hoodwinked into the situation where we're going to be looking at eye pokes really, you know, examining them closely because that took away from the refereeing in this fight, in my opinion. Yes, the refereeing was fair in this fight. It was fine in this fight. But in regards to eye pokes, in regards to that type of thing, it was biased because coming into the fight, we're only talking about one man's eye pokes. Yes, he has a problem with it. It's not cheating, though. It's how he fights. You see an eye poke nearly on every single card. Every single card. This isn't a Daniel Cormier problem. So I just wanted to re-establish that. Terribly written as well, by the way, Mark Goddard. You should fucking edit that shit. I couldn't even read it. 
practice what I preach, and as a man, I stand tall and head on. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But whatever. You're not an English teacher, all right? That's fine. That's fair enough. And I was feeling bad that I couldn't read it. I'm like, huh? What the fuck is he saying? Rough with the smooth acceptance, ownership, and immediately after the fight. See what I mean? Like, what the fuck does that even mean? But at this fight game, at this referee game, he's a very intelligent man. And as a very intelligent man, you will not get hoodwinked into this situation again. We ain't going to be talking about eye pokes no more. Alright? Because it ain't a Daniel Cormier problem. I'm getting heated over here. I really had a problem with that before the fight. Because we're looking at this like it's a Daniel Cormier problem. No, it's John Jones problem too. You know, a lot of fighters have this problem. It's not really a problem, though. It's par for the course of the sport. But anyway, now let's get on to some news. This was a bit of news, actually. News to me. But let's get on to some more news. Let's talk about Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley, officially announced September 19th. It will be a ESPN Fight Night main event. I think Colby Covington wins this fight. You've already heard. Excuse me. You've already heard about what I think about this fight. I've spoken about this fight too many times. We'll discuss this fight after it happens. But next time I talk about this fight. But yes, that is some news that's came out. Alright. Another piece of news we have is that Holly Holm will be fighting on October 3rd. This fight's been... We've been trying to make this fight happen for quite a while, actually. Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. It will be happening on October 3rd. Sure, everyone's fucking pumped for this fight. I'm sure it's like, ah, they're foaming at the mouth to watch this fight. Just kidding. I will be covering it though, guys. So when October 4th or 5th or 6th rolls around, expect a podcast where we discuss Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. But that's a little bit of news I saw. Not the best news, but just a little bit of news. And that's really it. There's not a lot of news, I'm telling you. Holly Holm was the big news. <laughs> no, trust me, when more news comes out, I'll keep you guys updated, okay? Try my best. But that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. This was a fun show to record. I, I recorded this last night. And my gain was too high. I had the knob up way too high. And it was like... Clipping like a bitch. Shout out to the band Clipping. But yes. Fun episode to record. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to everyone who gets to the end of these episodes too. You guys are stars. Daniel Pineda was my star of the week. But you guys are also too. So thank you so much. I'll speak to you guys soon. When more news drops, we'll do a news episode, my thoughts episode, getting you my thoughts about everything, MMA, and also a bit of boxing news. Okay, there will be some boxing news next time around. A lot to talk about in the boxing world. So, yes, I bid you adieu. Farewell. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.